Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of the Campus to Canton podcast here. Uh, as always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And it's uh, it's been a little bit of a slow news week here outside of the one big topic that we're going to hit first. Um, so we'll dive into that one. Um, and it's the Julio Jones trade saga here. Uh, after he goes on Skip and Shannon undisputed show and with that whole phone call conversation saying he was out of here. Uh, trade rumors have really been picking up swirling. Uh, you know, you, you hear a little bit of buzz from the Ravens. You heard a little bit of buzz from new England and uh, the Niners were mentioned, but it's seeming like everybody's saying the Titans at this point. Uh, they're saying that the strongest contender. Uh, so do you have any thoughts here on jones to the titans first off that was like the sultriest introduction ever hello there and welcome to our <laughs> canton bound I've been i'm, working your, I'm my... your very sexy host colin decker like, i've been working as a uh, as, as a late night dj on the radio for jazz stations i thought you were gonna say like a, a phone sex line no, no, I mean, no, was, no. it was sexy that, sexy sexy nothing that risque like this is jazz man it's uh it's a little bit more, you know, like I said, it's the radio, you know, WKUK. Hey, man, whatever you have to tell people, whatever you have to tell people, I'm just going to keep calling that number until I, until you're the one that picks up. <laughs> you're going to be calling for a while. Oh, perfect. I'm All in right. demand. I'm sure I'll make some, some nice friends when I call that line over and over again. Oh, yeah, um, lots of great people. <laughs> so Julio trade. Yeah. Julio Jones. That's what we were talking about, huh? Um, I literally don't – I have two teams that I don't want him to go to. Houston uh, okay. and Tennessee. Oh, Those are the okay. two places I don't want him to go. Everywhere else I'm fine with him going. Okay. But I think those two – Tennessee, I don't – it's not necessarily – I see people say like it's a low-volume pass attack, and I think we don't we don't necessarily know because Arthur Smith is gone and, right. and everything else. And it's not even necessarily that that he's going to eat into A.J. Brown – which he would, but I mean, you know, they're both, they'll both still get their targets. It's just that I think it caps his ceiling. And if I have a team where I'm trying, like on, on my teams that are competitors, I actually think I have Julio in like all of them. He's the kind of guy that you just go down with the ship with him. Like you, you, you just hold on to him. And if he, you know, if he, if he dies, he dies and you just, you know, put him off into the pasture somewhere. But he like Tennessee it, it would be the hard like if I wanted to ship him out or if I was a team you know I was in the opposite scenario where I was trying to rebuild and dump him Tennessee would be like the most difficult landing spot to sell Julio Jones in my opinion that or Houston they they're they're just not sexy places they're not places that I think the volume will necessarily be there um Houston scares a shit out of me without Deshaun Watson so the, anywhere else I'm I'm fine with he can come to Pittsburgh if he wants even uh, you're we'll give him a fifth. Him going to the Ravens. Sure. Why not? I think they're going to pass a little bit more this year. Um, and he's the kind of guy that um, is good enough to make a subpar passer like Lamar Jackson look better than he is. Cause like, I don't think Lamar Jackson's a good passer, but they haven't had a receiver there. That's been like the kind of guy that would just make a quarterback look good. So I don't know if Bateman can be that or not. There's an argument, um, but Julio was definitely that. So I, I think if he went there, he'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, even at the age of 32, I still think he's one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. 
Um, you know, I mean, he's just put up some insane numbers. I think he's, he's a hall of fame bound, I think, um, you know, so yeah, I think he could definitely make, make Lamar Jackson look a little bit better than as a passer as to what he actually is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you there. I think that the the volume in Tennessee is a little bit of a concern, but you're right. We don't really know what that offense is going to look like this year. I mean, we, I would imagine they promoted from within. I imagine they're going to keep it fairly similar. Um, they're still going to try to ride Derrick Henry into the ground. So, you know, and then keep using, you know, Tannehill on some, on some rollout type stuff, you know, some play action, you know, because that's what's proven that he he's best doing. So I, I don't think that Jones – value would take a hit there i mean that's honestly if everybody perceives that to be such a bad landing spot and you can get him for a bargain if he does go to tennessee then you know then i might look to inquire if i'm a contender um but i think that out of all of the landing spots that have been rumored probably new england uh, like that would just be uh, from a fantasy standpoint strictly from a fantasy standpoint that would probably be the best one uh, but if Julio Jones goes to New England after, if he doesn't hate New England after the way that that Super Bowl went, I mean, you know, I think that that's, I, I, I hope he hates them as much as the rest of the city of Atlanta hates them. You know? I think he hates Josh McDaniels more. Yeah. I think he, yeah, he was not happy about how that game ended. There's only no. one person to blame for it. His name rhymes with Schmosh McSmanuels. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah so i mean as far as like the rumors go there it's i mean it's it's kind of been all over the place but tennessee's been the one that's mostly linked there so um if he does go to tennessee that doesn't impact aj brown for you at all not really i mean i don't i think anybody and i, I say this about stuff a lot of the time i think anybody that acts really confident that like they know how that situation would shake out is a liar or just like lacks general self-awareness that like they think they know something. Cause I, we don't know how that would shake out. You know, it, at this point in, in time, is Julio probably still the better receiver of the two? Probably. And I know targets are earned, but he's been there for a couple of years. He has rapport with, with Tannehill. Like there's things in both columns. Like if you drew like a chart, you like, you know, pros and cons or whatever, I think you could put things in both columns. I think they'd be closer than either side of that argument would care to admit. Like, I think they'd be pretty much equal. Now, maybe it caps, you know. If you think A.J. Brown has wide receiver one in his ceiling this year, which I don't really think that. But if, you know, if you think that, then I don't think you could think that anymore if Julio went there, you know, and, and vice versa. Like, if you think Julio has wide receiver one in his range of outcomes for this year, which, again, I don't think he does then that obviously caps that as well. Yeah. I think the only way that I shouldn't say the only way, but I think the best path for Julio Jones to wide receiver one overall is sticking in Atlanta, mm-hmm. which it's not going to happen. So it sounds like every, they're going to move him for pretty much whatever they can get. They've already pretty much promised him that they would move him. So it's sounding like a second round NFL pick is the compensation there for him, which the sad thing for that is, the Patriots traded a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu like two years ago. So that's the level of draft pick that you're getting for one of the best wide receivers of this past decade. Doesn't it just even out then though, since you guys fleeced the Patriots in that one? No, because we turned around and traded that pick for Hayden Hurst, who is now completely irrelevant. 
Well, that's what you get for trading it to a guy for a guy that was like 28 when he was drafted. The Hayden I mean, Hurst thing is like when you see people buy buy like a really expensive piece of art, but like you're like, there's no way it's worth like it's blatantly money laundering. Like that's what it felt like <laughs> if it was like a draft pick. Like this is draft pick laundering. Because like, he's just not very good. Like he and he got multiple teams to invest like decent capital and stuff in him. And that never made any sense to me. I really have no idea. Maybe I don't know. He has some really good uh uh, you know, blackmail compromise pictures of people because that I don't understand. Dude, dude, like played baseball for forever, and like I, it's not even like he was at Bama or something. He's from South Carolina. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, we'll uh, we'll move off the Julio Jones trade talk here. We we can talk a little bit about that more when and if, but most likely when the trade happens. Uh, the next bit of news here is um, offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett uh, went out of his way and hyped up uh, Jordan Love. Now, Aaron Rodgers is not at OTAs, which is certainly to be expected. Uh, So, you know, he kind of had to go out of, he kind of had to hype up Jordan Love a little bit here. But I think the comments he said, it's exactly what you want to hear if you're a Jordan Love truther here. Uh, He said he thinks it's just about being able to make the proper decisions, understanding the timing and accuracy, and all of those things have been better up to this point. Uh, You know, he said one of the biggest things is his confidence in the system. Um, You know, he's going out there, he's executing, and he looks a lot better, uh, you know, like I said, with like the the concepts, the different protections. He's reportedly learning the offense, which, I mean, coming from, you know, Utah State like he did, you know, there was a bit of a side, a uh, bit of a, uh, a competition jump there. So, you know, you want to hear all of these things about Jordan Love, especially if you're a Jordan Love truther here. Now, we, we've talked about the situation before on the show here. Um, so, you know, if you, if you want to check that out, can't remember exactly which episode it was, probably like two weeks ago, I think we talked about it. And then maybe three weeks ago as well. We talked about it on like back to back shows. So, we're not going to beat this to death here. Uh, but as, there anything that Jordan Love can do this spring here to make you interested again? Because I know you were not, you were pretty much out on Jordan Love. It's so tempting to make a joke here at his expense. Um, Go for it. But I actually think, I don't, I don't know, I, I actually think that Jordan Love is kind of a buy because you can get, like, I've gotten him in two trades this offseason as, like, literally a throw in. Like the other person's like, oh, do you want to take Jordan Love? Like I don't even ask about Jordan Love. The other person's like, do you want to take Jordan Love? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I have a bench spot. Like why? Why not? Like that's the level of his value. And if he turns out to be an NFL starter, you know, as soon as as soon as Aaron Rodgers says, screw you guys, I'm out. He's worth at least a second at that point, right? I think you might have made that argument a couple of weeks ago, and I'm starting to come around to it a little bit just because, like, th- there's nobody else out there for them to go get. Like, there's no free agents, you know. There's no Fitz, Fitz Magic out there. There's no Joe Flacco. There's no like all these guys are gone. So they're they're stuck with him. Unless the only guys that I could like maybe they whoever loses the Saints comp quarterback competition or something gets dealt or um, you know something like that is like the only or maybe you know Mac Jones looks really good and Cam Newton the, the Patriots try to get rid of Cam Newton by like five. Like those are the only other scenarios that that there's a plug in a guy there, so it's worth paying nothing to get to get this guy. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's good. I really don't think he's good. I, I but sure, why not? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've i been aboard acquiring him now, if you can, because I do think it's, you know, at least 50-50 that Rodgers does not play again for the Packers. I think it's probably even a little bit better than that, to be honest with you. Probably more like 60-40 that he never plays for the Packers again. Just because, like I said, I, we've talked about before, but I think he's just vindictive enough of a person and just petty enough that he'll just say, screw you guys, I'm going home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Jordan Love is, is a great buy right now. Um, I'm not selling him if I have him because I do believe his value is going to rise. So he's one of those guys where, like you said, if he becomes a starter, he's worth at least a second round pick. You can probably find somebody who would give you a first for him, I, th- I would think. Um, in a super flex league, I definitely think there's somebody out there who would give you a first for him. So yeah, I'm I'm interested in in, in him in that regard. But again, I'm with you. Like, I don't necessarily see much of an NFL future for him. I think if Rodgers goes, Jordan Love has two years, and then they're probably looking to get somebody else there. If he's terrible, you have to make a move next offseason. You can't give him two years if he's terrible. Which I think he's going to be. I, like I don't even think he's going to flash. Like I just think he's he's bad. He's going to like he's lucky that uh, what's his name Kendall Hinton played it all last year because if he hadn't, I think we'd be saying like he's the, probably the worst player to start and the worst quarterback to start a game in the past three to five years, including like Ben DiNucci and Duck Hodges. Like there are some terrible quarterbacks that have started games. And I think Jordan love potentially is worse than every single one of them, except for him. Oof. That is, that's some damning. <laughs> Those are some damning words there. Um, Andy, that's, Andy that's was bad. a first round draft pick. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, that's bad. The most brain dead decision I've ever seen a team make inexcusable, inexcusable, shocking. Yeah. Um, I will move into the next bit of news here, and this isn't really like fantasy relevant, uh, but this is just something that's a little bit interesting here. Uh, the USFL announced that they're planning on returning for spring of 2022. Uh, they haven't been a league for 36 years. Um, they launched in 1983. They lasted three seasons, but they did have guys like Herschel Walker, Steve Young, Jim Kelly, Reggie White all come from the USFL. So, you know, back in the day, they produced some uh, some talent here. So with them starting up here in this in next spring, it'll be the third league that they've tried to have start in the spring and probably fail. I mean, they had the, the AAF the, uh, in 2019. XFL came back in 2020. That was from the... Uh, you know, the pandemic, I don't, I don't necessarily fault the XFL on that one, but you know, they, it's looking like that's a, a flop here too. Um, do we have any hope for the USFL? And if so, who do you think is going to be the star of that league there? When I saw the show sheet, you teed this up so perfectly for me. The star is going to be Jordan Love after he fails <laughs> with the Packers. <laughs> I saw the order you put this in and I was like, oh, that joke just wrote itself. And that's why I didn't want to start off the last one with a joke at his expense because I knew it was coming later. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, did think, I think it will succeed, maybe, because I thought the, la- the last one would succeed. They just got unlucky that the pandemic happened. I think that league, what was that, the XF- XFL? Yeah. I think the XFL would still be going. 
if if the pandemic hadn't hit. Uh, people, I mean, there weren't that many people watching it, but I think if you put football in front of people's faces for long enough, they'll watch it. And there were some guys that got tryouts. I mean, uh, Donald Parham, um, uh, Philip that Walker. quarterback, yes, Philip Walker, or like PJ. There, there were, or PJ. Yeah, there were a couple guys that got that got tryouts and you know made camps. You know, expecting there to be a you know a Steve Young, like you know they they had the last time or stuff like that. Like the only the only way they would get a guy like that is if there was a huge contract dispute at, at some point for like a guy coming out of college. Aaron Rodgers. Because I think, well, I like I think these guys, like the NFL, still is like way behind for a lot of franchises in terms of like their evaluation process. But I think things like that are just way better now than they were, you know, forty years ago. It was like they they could get guys that was like, you know, well, we don't think like a you know a black guy can play quarterback. Like teams teams would say that. That's why Randall Cunningham had to go to the CFL because he like. And that's how all these other leagues got these talented guys because the league was just so far behind. I don't like, I think they're still behind, but they're not saying those things anymore. So, like, and that's where like a lot of those discrepancies ended up shaking out from. So, I don't think you're going to see a lot of, you know, those or, um, um, uh, who was the guy that played at the Bills for forever? Went to four Super Jim Bowls. Kelly. Jim Kelly. Yeah. Um, like he, he played in the XFL. Like, I, I don't think you'd see those anymore. Plus, yeah, no. like that, they don't have the money to contend with the front, like the, the, the contracts. So that's, yeah, I think that the money's a big issue there too. But um, I mean, you mentioned some of them being them being behind in some aspects. They're not even behind in like stature mattering in quarterbacks anymore. Like, yeah, you know, I think Russell Wilson and and Kyle Mur, uh, Kyler Murray were probably guys that you would have seen in the USFL. You know, back in the eighties, you know, maybe even the nineties. You know, those are probably guys you would have seen go that route then. But the NFL is kind of caught up to that as well, especially as they're spreading things out a little bit more and and opening up offenses. You know, I think it's I think you're right. It's gonna be a lot harder for them to actually find a star. I was hoping you would say Yanni Manziel just because that's the one that everybody's gonna go to. I, I see it. That was actually the first name that came to mind. But like, he wasn't even doing that well in that 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 other league that he's in, where like the fans call the plays or whatever. <laughs> like, I think our expectations for him are low and they're even higher than they should be. Like I don't expect anything out of Johnny Manziel anymore. He's toast. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, like I said, just an interesting little topic there. Interesting little nugget. Uh, the last bit of news here um, is actually kind of fantasy relevant here. Um, and that's Cowboys running back. Tony Pollard was getting reps at wide receiver here in the spring. Um, now we know that, Tony Pollard has always been pretty good in the receiving game, but you know, he didn't doesn't really get a lot of love necessarily. I mean, he gets some love as like a handcuff uh, for Zeke. You know, whenever Zeke goes down, everybody's like, Oh, go get Tony Pollard, but he kind of fades into obscurity then, you know, as long as Zeke is healthy. So I think that, you know, having Tony Pollard get some work at right wide receiver, you know, if they can just, find different ways to incorporate him into the offense. I think that's huge for his value because I think he's, I I legitimately think he's a a good football player. I I think he's a better real life option than fantasy because of, you know, what I said about the, you know, being behind Zeke and even at wide receiver, you know, the Cowboys have Amari Cooper, CD lamb, Michael Gallup, um, you know, so they have options there, but, you know, just seeing him, 
maybe get a little bit more of a of a Tariq Cohen type of a role. Um, you know, I think it would be would be a boon for him because I just Tony Pollard's one of those guys that I just I've, I've always liked. I have him a lot of places. He's probably one of my most owned <clears throat> players across all my leagues. And for how people talk about him, you would think he's he's six foot two oh nine. Mm-hmm. You would think he's way smaller, like you just meant. Like, and obviously, it's not exactly what you were referring to, but you just you know right. Tariq Cohen role or like Naheem Hines. He's a lot bigger than those guys. You know, I don't. I still don't think the Cowboys view him as a guy that like like even if Zeke like week one Zeke blows out his knee, I think they go look for somebody else and they like at best Pollard has like a timeshare in that backfield. I just don't think they view him that way. The bad part for him though is that like you know he is a really good receiver. He's he's on a team with possibly the deepest wide receiver core in the NFL. Like he's never actually going to play wide receiver unless they have a huge rash of injuries there. Cause you've got guys like, you know, Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson and some of those guys that are, that are never going to really touch the ball because of just what else they have there. So I don't like the wide receiver thing doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, But I do, I agree. I think he's a really good football player and I, I don't. I, I mean, I guess I'd say you know I want to see him leave, but I don't. Like, I don't. I don't have a spot for him or anything either. You know, I just want somewhere where he gets ten touches a game. You know, something like that. Just you know, in all sorts of different situations, and let him let him do his thing. I agree. I want to see him leave. Um, I'm pretty sure his contract is up next year. Um, I didn't look at it, but I think it's up next year. And and I would love to see him go somewhere else and actually get utilized somewhere you know i mean the first landing spot everybody thinks of for running backs is san francisco with shanahan's system um you know just because they are they're kind of like a running back factory and and i think he would kind of give bring that versatility that you know shanahan looks for in some running backs and stuff like that but i don't think that's necessarily going to happen um so you know you kind of want to see him go somewhere else i mean i'd love to see him in atlanta uh, you know, we, Atlanta still needs a running back. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some other teams here. Maybe maybe a Cliff Kingsbury system. You know, Arizona still needs a running back. So maybe somewhere like that. Uh, but I just want to see him go somewhere. Because like I said, he's he's just a player that I've always liked. He'd be pretty cool in Arizona. I mean, like, not this year. It's just crowded. But I think Connor's on a one-year deal. I don't know what Edmonds has left. But, yeah, that'd be a good offense for him. There we go. Speak it into existence. We're going to talk about it every week <laughs> until it happens now. You know, flip the penny into the little wishing well, into the fountain. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, we'll, uh, we'll move off the news topics here. Like I said, it was a little bit of a slower week, but uh, we'll move into – this is sort of a buy-sell, but it's a little bit of a different twist here on it, uh, and it's, it's media-themed here. Uh, the first one we're going to go with, left for dead. Um, so we're each going to pick a player at each position – um, who's been left for dead by the fantasy community that that we still believe in. And I'm very interested to hear you talk about the first guy that you have listed here. Um, so I'm going to definitely kick this over here to you. I'm going to let you just run with this as long as you want. You don't want, you don't want to intro the player as your, as your favorite player ever. The person you probably have hundred percent ownership across all your leagues, right? Uh, it's, it's really close. Yeah. I have him in pretty much every league I'm in. Yeah, and we're, of course, talking about Josh Rosen. Just kidding. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to talk about Josh Rosen. I just threw him on the sheet to mess with you. Oh, Oof. man. I... 
You, you, it worked. No, it worked. You, you, it worked. I was really interested. I was like, oh, this is this is going to be interesting. I kind of want to hear where he goes with this. I um, knew you would be so interested if I put Joshua. Oh, that you, you got me good. I'm, no, this, I, uh, <laughs> I I put I put Kirk Cousins down as my actual answer. <laughs> I hate that you did that. I had I had no idea you were going to do that. I, I knew because as soon as we got we went in here pre-show and you're like, oh man, I'm so excited to hear you talk about Josh Rose, and I was like, you knew yes, you had me. I you got were... him. Freaking got him. <laughs> that was oh, that was mean. That was. It could have been a lot meaner. Um, so, <laughs> so Kirk Cousins is my actual answer here. And I hear a lot of people talk about Kirk Cousins as a sell. And I see him really r- rated pretty lowly uh, on some people's <laughs> Colin's leaving me a nasty message, maybe on the share sheet. Now I can't tell. Um, everyone talks about him as a sell, but he is just Mr. Consistent. You know, since really taking over in Washington in 2015, he's finished in I, like I pulled these stats from our one league that we're in, but I'm 98 percent sure it's just very it's it's basic quarterback scoring. Since 2015, he's finished 10th, 5th, 6th, 13th, 19th, and 11th overall at the quarterback position. He gets really nice volume there, which goes against the narrative that they're a run first, run heavy team. I mean, they do run the ball and they look to establish the run and all that kind of crap. But they pass the ball a decent amount. He it doesn't throw that many interceptions. He might have like one or two stinker games a year, but like his interceptions over the last six years, 11, 12, 13, 10, 6, 13. He every single year has had at least a, a two to one touchdown interception ratio, and he's been close to a three to one um, or or above it on, on numerous occasions. Um, it's an offense that I mean, his completion percentage is always high. His contract runs through 2022 there, and then he's gone, and he'll only be 33 or 34. So I think he has one contract left in him, too, where some team will give him the money to go there and be the unquestioned starter for three or four more years or whatever. So even if he's not in Minnesota, which Minnesota, like, if we think of it as this cap on volume, which again, I, I don't necessarily think it is, but if he goes to an offense that's a little even more open than what he's in now, you know, I, I think that he maintains his low end QB one upside over the next three to five years. And it's a guy that you can get for really, really cheap. He goes late in startups. If you punt quarterback a little early, you can snag him in like the eighth, the seventh or eighth round or something. And, and, you know, and roll with him as your QB two or whatever. And I'm totally fine with that. Um, Cause I think this off season more than any off season, man, like I'm in, the, I'm in this draft now. And I think of the first 24 picks, like 17 or something were quarterbacks. Like people are just going fucking bonkers over quarterbacks. And I don't think it's smart for a lot, but I, and, and but like it, it leaves a lot of value on the board. And then, once people have their two or whatever, they kind of forget about the position. And that's where Kirk Cousins comes in. So I think he's a huge buy. Um, I have him in a couple places, and I think I'm going to try to go buy him in a bunch more before um, this offseason is over. That's that's really interesting. I, I like the takes there. Um, you know, I didn't really think about him beyond Minnesota, but I think you're right. I think he has another contract in him and could potentially go to a better landing spot. You know, um, 
at that point, New Orleans may be looking for a quarterback after Jameis Winston and, you know, Taysom Hill experiment that potentially fails, you know, even potentially in, in the division, you could see Green Bay need somebody. So all there, there's some decent landing spots out there. In I the mean, shit, for- like New England or New York Jets, if if one of those quarterbacks, you know, one of those guys they've recently drafted isn't good, he could go to um, like Houston pro- probably needs a quarterback, depending on what they do this next year. Like there are a lot of teams. And the NFL is so pass happy now that like it's hard for me to point to a situation and say like that's a bad situation for a quarterback. Like unless the offensive line's a sieve, I don't necessarily think there's a bad situation for an established NFL starting quarterback anymore. Yeah, uh, my only problem with Kirk Cousins, and it's not even really like a problem. It, I mean, you touched on it like pretty much perfectly. Is his ceiling isn't very good, so I don't really want him as my QB one. If he's my QB one, a little bit concerned. I love him as my QB2. I think he's a great QB2. But if he's my QB1, I better feel really good about the rest of my roster and have a good, strong QB2 as well. Like I would need to have a Kirk Cousins and, you know, a Matt Ryan, maybe. I would need to have a Kirk Cousins and maybe Sam Darnold. I don't necessarily know how great I feel about that one. But if he's my QB one, I need to have like a guy that I feel comfortable with as my QB two. I I bet we see a handful of teams next offseason with people trying to you know flex their zero QB approach or whatever, where we see teams that have won a ship with like Cousins and like Fitzpatrick or something. Like I totally see that as being an outcome. If you, yeah. if that happens, I'll try to save this clip and we'll reference it at the end of the year, and we'll give you something. We'll give away. A month membership to the website. How's that sound, Colin? I'm just making this up on the spot. We didn't discuss this at all. We didn't discuss this at all, but we will uh, give we away. We discuss this with any of the other people from the site, but let's do it. Doesn't matter. We'll give away a free month membership if you can send proof at the end of the year that you made it to the championship game and you started those two quarterbacks and won the championship. Cousins and Fitzpatrick. That's the challenge. Okay, so get to it. I almost think that's worth more than a month, but. You know, we'll we'll take it at a month for now. We'll work. I see. It. I see this scenario where Fitzpatrick blows up, and all of a sudden we're eating a shit. I know that's what. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. Oh, you mean to anybody? Yes, okay. To any person. To anybody. Okay. Any person okay. that does this. I'm on board. Yes. I'm back on board now. I got it. Yes. I'm back on board. I like that. I like that. We're, we're the flagship pod. We can do what we want on here, man. Oh. Oh. Uh, the uh, the Slack chat's gonna be gonna be popping off a little bit here, a little bit later. Um. I'm just going to apologize to everybody else. He doesn't speak for me. Austin said uh, what on the podcast last night? <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll move off of uh, your Kirk Cousins take here, uh, and I'll move into my guy that people have kind of left for dead, uh, and that is Carson Wentz. Um, you know, everybody has this perception of him now that he is done, that he's terrible. You know, it didn't work out in – Philadelphia. So, you know, he's not very good. He's also going to the Colts, a little bit more of a run heavy offense, but I, I'm not ready to give up on, I'm not ready to give up on Carson Wentz. You know, I think he still has, you know, he he did have a bit of a rough year last year, a bit of a rough year the year before that too, but you know, then I'm not saying the 2017 or it was a 2018 like MVP caliber year, you know, that's obviously not his, the, the type of season that he's going to have moving forward. I'll be surprised if he repeats that again. Um, but 
that's still within his range of outcomes, at least. Um, you know, he's still going to be a fantasy relevant quarterback. He's still somebody who brings some value with his legs as well. Um, he's somebody who likes to throw the ball downfield as well. You know, even last year in that in that poor year, um, he did average 8.7 air yards per attempt, which was third in the league. So, you know, he does bring a little bit there with, you know, like I said, the deep ball, you know, and then he can score some points for you in that area as well. And, you know, it's pretty well documented that his receivers have not been very good either. Now, I'm not putting all the blame on them, but I definitely think you have to put some of it on them. So Kirk Cous- or, uh, Carson Wentz is a guy that I'm not ready to give up on yet either. And, I, you know, last year, even in, in a down year like that, um, you know, he still finishes a quarterback 22. So, you know, he still finished, you know, as a QB two. And I think people are just kind of forgetting about him at this point. So I'm, I'm definitely still in on Carson Wentz. The only argument that I've ever heard um, that persuade me that that he doesn't bounce back is that big year that he had a couple years ago. It was his, his touchdown percentage, maybe that or like, it was like the highest in NFL history and was blatantly unsustainable. And so far has borne out to be true since that happened. Um, but there is a lot of room. There's a lot of uh, bounce back territory there for him to, <laughs> for him to hit. Can't be much worse than he was this year. So uh, right. I actually generally agree with that. The thing right. about Wentz is that I still think if you have Wentz, you're probably not selling him at what his actual value is. That's like the only scary part about him. I have him in one league, and it's a league where like I I am actually moderately hopeful for him. I think he's a startable player this year. It's like a QB two, and the offers that I got for him last off season were so doo doo, or this <laughs> like it's just so bad. Like I just I try to be very civil when I respond to shitty trade offers, but damn, these people were really testing my patience in that '96 teamer that we're in. <laughs> Yeah, you do get some questionable offers floated out there pretty regularly, but that's what happens when you have 96 teams in the league and eight copies of players. But, um, you know, you, you get people who just kind of go fishing for rip off to rip off whoever they can. But oh, maybe, uh, maybe I you? should try that. Maybe I don't I'll think that's that. you. That's not you. Don't don't be that guy. Nobody okay, that fine. Guy. Fine. No one likes um, me anyway. I don't think I necessarily think anybody said that. I mean, you said it. <laughs> we haven't said it yet but um but just the last thing here on Wentz I mean he's you know uh, Mike Taglier had a a good stat um he he put Wentz posted a QB1 numbers in 44 percent of the games in his career so you know he has you know it's 50 50 whether he's a QB1 or not slightly under that but still you know and he's done it in Frank Reich's offense before so, you know, I think that I, I think you, you said you think he's a QB two. If he's my QB two, I feel very comfortable. If I have, there we go. If I have Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz as my QBs, provided the rest of my roster is, is, you know, really solid. I'm not upset with that. I'm, I would be okay rolling that out. You know, if I'm rolling out those guys and then, you know, in a startup in the first round, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor you know, and I'm snagging maybe DeAndre Swift in the second and, you know, maybe a Michael Thomas in the third or another receiver in the third. And, you know, I'm building out a really strong lineup. 
I'm fine with with Wentz and as my QB two with some QB one upside that you know Kirk Cousins has a very safe floor there, so you you have a good balance between those guys. So I would be I would be good with that pairing. I Wentz actually scares me as my QB two on a roster even. Like if I'm competing, I think I want Wentz as my QB three because that can go south really quickly. Like the league that I have him in that I was just talking about, I have Dak, Stafford, and him. And like I'm fine in that scenario, but if I didn't have Stafford, then I'd kind of be shitting my pants a little bit about it. You know, it's it's not for everybody. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. But yeah, I mean, I think depending, like I said, depending on the way the rest of my team went, I would be okay with that. I would want a good QB3. I know. You know, in some super flex leagues, you know, there's you can't not everybody can have a third QB. Uh, I would probably if those are my for my QB one and two, I'm probably taking a third QB a little bit earlier. You know, I'm and I'm probably taking somebody that I feel safe about. I'm not taking a Daniel Jones. I'm not taking a Derek Carr. I don't, I don't hate Derek Carr, but I don't know what his future holds beyond, you know, this next year or two. Um so I would want somebody that I feel safe about if I have those guys as my QB three, but as a QB two, I'm fine with wins. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll move into the next position here. Uh, what running back that is being left for dead is somebody that you would be interested in. So I changed my answer late and I think you should do yours first because I may or may not have chosen the same exact person that you did. And I think you should go first. You chose the same person that I did. Yes, I chose the same person you did. So apparently, I had him on the, sh- I had him on the show sheet. I can't read. I've told you this like twelve times. It's a fair point. <laughs> this this show has been it's off the this rails. This show has got yeah. This show got off the rails quick. Well, my my guy is somebody that I've touched on a couple times this off season, and is somebody that I'm, you know, I'm still very much interested in. Um, and that is Philip Lindsay. Uh, you know, now he's with Houston and he is pretty, pretty much by far the youngest person on that backfield. I mean, you got David Johnson, you got Mark Ingram. Is Duke Johnson even there still? No, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent, but they did act, they did add Rex Burkhead this week. Okay. So, I mean, I think my, I think my point still stands, but Rex Burkhead's like 28, I think, right? According to Google, he is 30. 30? Okay, yeah. Even uh, he'll be he'll be 31 in less than a month. Yeah. So they have like three 30-year-old running backs here. Um, and then Philip Lindsay, who is 26. Um, now, and he's a very lightly used 26 as well. I mean, through two seasons in the league, he only has four, through two full seasons in the league, because he, he did get hurt this year. Um, you know, he had 416 carries, so fairly lightly used. Uh, but in those first two years in Denver, in a timeshare, you know, he had over a thousand yards. Uh, he was sixth in rushing yards over expectation per attempt. Twenty um, second, you know, the year before that. Um, and you know, this past year, and, and you know, he, he had a lot of receiving work as well. Um, you know, forty seven targets in the first year, forty eight targets in the second year. So, you know, his first two years, you know, he was very fantasy relevant. Everybody was interested in him. And then this past year, he had injuries. He competed with Melvin Gordon. He only had 38% snap share. You know, he saw a bit of a decline in his efficiency as well. He was down to 30th in rushing yards over expectation per attempt. So, you know, he's pretty much an afterthought at this point. But 
I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he returns the RB two numbers. Now, I think it's a lot. I don't think there's a lot of pieces on that Houston offense that we want. You know, I think that we know that running backs typically are better for fantasy when they're in good offenses. I don't necessarily think that that um, Houston is going to be that this year, but for the price that it would cost to get Philip Lindsay, I mean, you probably pay a third round pick and get him. You know, I, I'm very, I'm still very much interested in Philip Lindsay. I'm not ready to write him off yet. Now, yeah, I I'm think oh, interested to hear what you have to say about him since you also put him down. I mean, you covered a lot of my points. My big takeaway with him is that even if he like, I, even if they, if he's not the starter and he's not getting the bulk of the touches. That's fine. Even if he's not getting 50% of the carries, that's fine. I think even if they just almost use him solely, uh, air quotes around that, solely as a pass catching back, I think he can finish as an RB2. I think that's in the range of outcomes. I really, really do. Because who else are they going to throw that ball to outside of uh, Cooks? Like you have, like the, the people, the, the players that people are hyped for in that offense are Nico Collins who tripped over his own two feet in college more times than any player I've ever watched in my life. And somehow he's this athletic Marvel <laughs> and uh, like Brevin Jordan and then Brandon cooks. Then you have what Randall, like the ghost of Randall Cobb, the three really old running backs. I don't know. And isn't Tyrod Taylor's kind of checked down Charlie, isn't he? So if he's, if he's the guy that's starting, um, then you have to feel pretty good about him getting the targets, assuming that he's on. They're putting him on the field, right? Yeah, and, and that's kind of an assumption there as well. It's it's hard to say how he's going to be used there, because, especially because they're bringing in all these other running backs. But you know, I, I like I said, he's not going to cost you anything, and I think he's really the only piece of that offense outside of Brandon Cooks that I would want in redraft. And outside of Brandon Cooks, and I would still want Deshaun Watson, depending on the price for Dynasty, you know, outside of those two guys, and maybe Brevin Jordan as well. They're really the only guy, you know, he's still on a short list of people that I would be even remotely interested in for fantasy. Yeah, I mean, there's an offense every year that we don't really want anybody on for fantasy. But like at the same time, I think you still have to say at cost there's a chance that somebody's okay there and nobody there costs anything like even Brandon cooks who I like, and you know, yeah, he probably won't hit a thousand yards again this year just because he's either going to have Tyrod or Davis mills throwing to him. I, I don't, I not to get into a whole nother talk. I did. I, and I, I feel like says this all the time. And I agree. I, Deshaun Watson doesn't play this year. Deshaun Watson does not play this year. In my opinion, he'll be back, but he doesn't play this year. So that's, that's what you're dealing with. With, with the skill position guys there it's it's a uh, it's rough so you don't think he plays at all no interesting i was he's, i was he's, picturing he's like at, an eight to ten game of suspension but. he's at best a serial sexual assaulter like n- no the union will try to stick up for him but uh, i don't think he plays this year i really really don't I think they put him on the exempt list or whatever. Mm, that's a good point. I forgot they can do that. The commission yeah. is exempt list. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, all right. Well, so running back, you know, we had one a piece. We had, we had one that we shared here. Uh, we'll move into wide receiver. I'll let you go first since you stole my last one. And then I let you talk about it. Yeah, but 
it was I had him on the show sheet. So wanted new co-host. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> One that doesn't play jokes with the show sheet or steal my you go on vacation in two weeks and you're never getting that chair back, buddy. So enjoy your last couple of weeks here. <laughs> so I uh, I chose Jacoby Myers. I think I went a little deeper than I initially intended when I was trying to think of my wide receiver. Just because it's another guy that I think is free. I get him so late in drafts right now. And, you know, he if you just if you just, you know, if you just go on to whatever whatever platform you're using flea flicker or sleeper or ESPN or MFL or whatever. And you sort of, you see that he was wide receiver 55 last year. And then that's like not impressive. He's in an, an offense that we think is probably not going to be very good in new England. Uh, but then you go and you look at, you know, just, just kind of what they, you know, in terms of snap, uh, he did nothing up until week seven last year. He like didn't even play. I think he was injured. So once his snaps hit week seven, they, he hit 80% or higher every single week after that. He had five of 11 weeks were double digits, and he was close a couple other ones. And an absolutely putrid, putrid passing attack with you know the ghost of Cam Newton, who had was recovering from COVID. And he, he, still, did, he still had good weeks. I think you know there are some arguments against him, obviously, and it's reasonable for why they're suppressing his value. I mean, they just signed a bajillion wide receivers this offseason, but like none of them are actually good. Like you have who Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, like it's it's a bunch of nothing. I think that he has the leg up on any of those guys. And I think that even if because Cam liked him, even if Cam gets benched, he seems like the kind of guy that would mesh really well with Mac Jones. Like he's 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 dollar store brand Devonta Smith. Like sort of like he works the same areas of the field, does kind of the same thing, very similar build. So I don't, I, I think that's a, yeah, I think a, if he finishes like a wide receiver, uh, wide receiver three or wide receiver four this year, that would like not blow my mind at all. And it'd be like a fun trivia thing, like five years from now. Like, yeah, I, I think that's a great call on uh, Jacoby Myers. I think he does get forgotten about a lot, but there's nobody else in that wide receiver core that I want. I don't necessarily know how much I want him to begin with, but you know, like you said, his, you went pretty deep there. It's like his, it's not like he's costing anybody anything. Um, I don't have any ADP data here pulled up in front of me, so I'm not exactly sure what he is. Um, I have him ranked as my 95th wide receiver. And after hearing you talk and seeing some of the names I have ahead of me, like that feels way too low. Um, you know, and so, if I think if I'm he, 95th, what, He's not in DLF's top 275 players for ADP. And that list includes names. It includes Kendrick Bourne. It include wait, let me just make I searched Myers. Let me just make sure. Let me search Jacoby too. Just to no. So that includes, you know, at the bottom of the list here, I see Byron Pringle, Kendrick Bourne, fucking Tim Tebow. Uh, carry on who's done Sam Ellinger. Like there's a lot of crap that gets drafted above Jacoby Myers. And that's, it's not even like there's more up. Like it's not even like you're swinging for the fences with any of those guys. Like there's no upside on any of those names I just mentioned like, compared to Jacoby Myers. That's such a weird, like a weird sampling of players. Like a Travion Williams is above him in this list. 
Who the fuck wants Travion Williams? Go get your Kobe Myers, people. Go get your Kobe Myers. No, that's a great call. That those are that is a piss poor list of <laughs> players ranked ahead of him. Um, and look, I'm looking at our rankings here, and uh, his ranking average is 95.5. So I'm I'm pretty close there. Um, Alfred has him at 111. You have him at 83. I have him at 95. Felix 99. Matt 95, and Dwight at 90. So. You know, and, and like I said, hearing all your argument there, like I definitely feel like I need to move him up in the next update there. So yeah, like Des, Des Fitzpatrick, CJ Uzoma, Rex Burkhead, Scott Miller, who they've clearly told us they don't like because they've drafted fifty receivers this past three years. Like in Keel Harry, he outperformed in Keel Harry last year. In Keel Harry can't even get on the damn field. And Keel Harry is the answer to who's going to be the the star of the the USFL. Like there are just so many guys on this list that are just Chris Evans, Josh Kelly, Daryl Williams, Jarrett Patterson. These guys all suck. What are you people doing in your drafts? Jeez. Tamori and Terry. That guy at least has upside, but holy shit, he wasn't even drafted to a team that can't even like doesn't start more than two wide receivers. Man, you you got way more animated about Jacoby Myers than I was expecting here. I wasn't expecting that to be the hot topic of the show. I just can't believe some of these. Khalil Herbert. Like, I'm just scrolling up the <laughs> list here, and they're just uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm actually at a loss for words. Damn. <laughs> well, Austin is speechless. I will take this opportunity to move into my guy here. And, and my guy is somebody that I'm sure is actually getting drafted. Um but it's somebody that still everybody's kind of forgotten about at this point. Uh, and that is Mike Williams, the Mike Williams for the Chargers. Um, you know, he's a guy that everybody had pretty high hopes for after being, you know, a first round pick top 10, I believe. Uh, I think he went like eighth or ninth, I think that year. I don't remember off the top of my head here, but you know, being an early first round pick, being a Clemson wide receiver, everybody had pretty high hopes for him here. And you know, we had one, um, one decent year, you know, but it, where he finished as a wide receiver 24, uh, it was three years ago. Um, but, you know, last year he was hurt. Well, not last year, um, 2019, he was hurt. And then this past year he did miss two games as well. So, you know, there's a little bit of an explanation there, but he still did not perform very well overall. He's wide receiver 38. And then uh, this past year he was the uh, wide receiver 45. Now, he did get 85 targets through 15 games last year and did have one game, weirdly, against Atlanta where he had zero targets. I don't really remember that game, um, but I I don't know why he would have zero targets against Atlanta if he actually played. But, you know, he was last year, he was 25th in air yards, um, ninth in average target distance. The year before that, he was first in average target depth in 2019, 14th in completed air yards. And all these stats are coming from player profiler, by the way. Um, probably should mention that. I don't want to, I don't want to get, get yelled at in the DMS or anything. Um, but yeah, you know, he was, so he's, he's a good deep ball target. You know, we like to see the air yards there. Um, and this year they do bring in new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Uh, he was the saints QB coach from 2016 to 2020. Um, you know, they're talking about him bringing back some of the saints, um, you know, bring, borrowing heavily from Sean Payton's offense. Um, and there was an interview that he did where he mentioned that, you know, he was going to 
borrow heavily from Sean Payton's offense. And, you know, he mentions Mike Williams specifically and predicts a big year for him. Um, he said that this, as much as this offense is going to resemble and resemble New Orleans, Mike Williams plays the X and the ball has always found the X in this offense. Uh, he says he thinks there's going to be some natural production that comes his way just because of the nature of the offense. So, you know, Mike, you know, Mike Williams is, like I said, he stretches the field there. So, you know, that was something that he did well. I think he's also a good contested catch wide receiver, um, you know, and I think that bodes pretty well with, with Herbert, um, you know, his big arm there. So, you know, I like the way he's fitting, the way it's looking like he's going to fit into this new offense with, with Herbert. Now he did have Herbert last year and kind of struggled. So there is that caveat certainly, but beyond Keenan Allen, there really isn't a wide receiver on that offense that I like. I mean, they drafted Josh Palmer this year, but they took him way earlier than I thought any, he had any business going. Um, they have Tyron Johnson from last year. They have Jalen Guyton. So they have a couple of guys of KJ Hill, but there's nobody that I really like. And so he's, pretty safely the wide receiver two in that offense and you know he's not anybody that's being talked about at all i think he's you know like i said i don't have really have adp up here in front of me but um you know he's not somebody that is he's not somebody that's really on anybody else's radar and you could definitely still get him for pretty cheap you probably could get him for a third you could get him as a throw-in in your trade offers so yeah, I'm I'm definitely still interested in Mike Williams. You're muted. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I was on a different page. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I I like him. I just don't think he's if he's going to break out again, it's not going to be there. In my opinion, which is weird because I think the thing that um that the thing that Justin Herbert does the best is his deep ball accuracy, and that's where he thrived his first couple of years. But they just didn't. I don't know if they were on the same page or what last year. Like when he was going deep, he preferred Guyton last year. I don't even know if Guyton's going to be a thing this year since they drafted Josh Palmer. But um, so maybe he gets put back in that role. And I, if he, if he does, I think he does have a nice season. Um, but we'll see if they actually want to use him like that or not. Yeah. See, that's that's the big caveat there. Like you said, he's he. It's it, theoretically he should work very well with Herbert. He just didn't last year, and I don't know why. But, you know, I think if they can get on the same page and again, you know, borrowing from, you know, New Orleans offense, I think it's going to bode well for him. Um, you know, I think he can put up decent numbers this year, but either way, you know, he is going into the final year of his rookie contract. So even if it isn't quite this year, I think you're still going to have an out next year, you know, being a free agent. Everybody, you know, when he goes and signs wherever he does, everybody will be like, oh, yeah, I remember Mike Williams. He was a first round pick, you know, and then if you're if you're out on him at that point, I think you'll still have a sell window. So if he doesn't perform like I think he will this year, I I could see him being a, you know, maybe not a low end wide receiver, too, because like something you mentioned on I think it was something you mentioned on Twitter. Everybody's a wide receiver, too, this year. Um I think he can be a fantasy relevant player for you. I think he'd be a flex player for you this year, but even if he can't, like I said, you'll still have that sell window. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't argue with you on that. Um, all right. And, you know, looking here at the show sheet, you're, we were talking about tight end. You said IDK, if I have one, did you, did you have one? Did you come up with one? 
No, because I, I just don't really have a lot of names that really fit this. Like the only two names that popped into my head that I think would work are Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry. Ertz, I'm not buying anywhere. Right. No. And Henry, I feel good about. Like, I, I just don't know what to expect from New England's offense, and I don't know what to expect from their offense year over year. I just really, really don't. It's a the whole the whole offense feels like it's in flux right now. Um, so I'm not buying him anywhere either, even though I think he's a really talented player. I just don't really like that situation at all. I think Johnu is the guy to own there between the two of them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, that's fair. So I'll, I'll talk about my guy then. Um, my guy is is Austin Hooper, and he's somebody that after the you know the big years that he had in Atlanta, everybody was hyping him up. He goes to um, Cleveland. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, he could be the guy there. He didn't really do a whole lot. Um, you know, he was he finishes the tight end twenty one last year in PPR. Um, so you know, not even startable. But you know, he he did have some good metrics, some metrics that bode well for the future here. He was you know thirteenth in tight ends at snap share. You know, seventy eight percent of snap share. Um, he was number eight in target share as well. Uh, you know, among tight ends. And again, this is coming from player profiler here. Um, you know, and he was good at his air yards, his 18th in air yards. So, you know, that's not great, but it's also not bad, especially coming from Cleveland's offense. So, you know, it's, it, this, this was a little bit more of a difficult one. I'll definitely agree with you there. But um, I think Austin Hooper is a guy that you can now get for, for pretty cheap. He's kind of going as an afterthought and he is only 26 still. He's still very young. You know, I think he's still a guy who is going to be able to be productive for you. You know, he's not anybody that I feel great starting about starting in week week in and week out. But if I'm streaming the position, yeah, he's absolutely somebody that I would love to have in my stable of guys that I'm streaming. It's actually pretty crazy. I hadn't really thought about this, how much younger he is than the guy that was drafted like three years after him that they used to replace him in in uh, in, in Atlanta. Yeah, just. Yeah. We won't, we won't rehash that discussion, but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've already seen what um, he can do, it, what Austin Hooper can do in a good offense, uh, you know, and that was obviously in Atlanta there, but you know, even, even in, in Cleveland, you know, I think he can still be productive, um, especially if OBJ doesn't bounce back you know, then they don't really have a solidified number two option in that offense. And it is an offense that uses the tight end. Um, the tight end is at least on the field a lot uh, in Cleveland. So, you know, he's going to have some opportunities there, I think. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Uh, and then the the second segment here in the buy-sell is, um, like I said, it's media theme, so it's get out. Uh, players we want to get out from underneath before it's too late. Um, you, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your first one here too. You know, hopefully this one's not a joke. Um, so I'll, I'll kick this one over to you here first. No, none of these are jokes. And I think I chose some really controversial ones here. You did. Um, you did. Yeah. All three. Well, one of them is very on brand. Uh, I bet you guys can probably guess if you really had to. Um, yeah. so I put, I put cam Akers, not because I think he's going to be a bum, but his value right now is just way higher than what it has any right being in my opinion and i'm actually surprised dlf only has him as rb8 and, and their their adp which is the adp that i generally trust for uh dynasty stuff uh adp overall of 25 
And that's that. Like I say, that feels light because I've done a couple of startups here, uh, C2C startups this this off season, and he's gone significantly earlier than that in every single one of them. I don't think he's gotten past like pick fifteen or sixteen in any of them, which is just not a great value in my opinion. You know, you you can't discount the playoff run last year. Um, which is where, you know, really, if you're going to point to anything that he did last year, you have to point to the playoffs because in those two games, he put up uh, like 220 yards rushing, a couple touchdowns, um, had a couple big runs, basically won them that first playoff game. And for the record, I had Cam Akers graded very highly last year. He was my RB3 in the class behind um, Swift and Taylor, who were my like 1A, 1B guys in front of him. And then it was Akers. I had him over Dobbins. I had him when I had when I thought all these guys were going to be in the same class. I had him graded higher than ETN. I had him graded higher than Najee Harris, higher than CH. I had him graded higher than all those guys. And I am still a believer in him as a starting NFL running back. But as RB8 with some, like, here, here's some names that are going behind him that even I get again. I think we talked about this on Debbie Debate this week with positional scarcity and positional value. I still think, even if you're factoring that in, which I really don't. He's being taken um, ahead of guys like AJ Brown, Deshaun Watson, Stephon Diggs, Antonio Gibson, CD Lamb. These are all guys that I think I would much rather have than Cam Akers. I think the situation for, for instance, for Gibson feels more projectable. Like I know that he's the guy there next year. They're not gonna they're not gonna jerk us around with him. He's going to get involved in the passing game, assuming that his foot is healthy this year. And like, I, I can't say the same for Cam Akers. They have Daryl Henderson there. And really, again, the only reason that Akers was getting all these carries and stuff was because a bunch of the other guys in the backfield were dinged up. So I just, uh, ADP of 25, like, I think he's, he's like a third round startup guy, in my opinion, just because there's so many question marks around him. And I think like, we're looking at this next off season and we're just like, that was such an obvious guy that was going too early. And yet we still just kept feeding into that hype. And it's going to look silly a year from now. Yeah, I I agree with him. The hype is, is getting out of control. Now, he's not a guy that I'm really looking to sell um, unless, you know, obviously, if, if I could get like the right price, if I could get a haul for him, then yeah, sure. Uh, but I'm not actively looking to sell him because I do think that he's the most talented running back in that offense. You know, you said you had him as your RB3 I had him as my RB4. I had J.K. Dobbins just ahead of him, but it was splitting hairs. I liked both of those guys a lot um, pre-draft. So, you know, so, yeah, I, I'm in on Cam Akers. I am not going to get out from underneath him, but I'm with you that he's going too early in startups. You know, Why were you underneath him in the first place? hey How long have you been sitting on that joke? Oh, Go wow. ahead. Yeah. A while. It's kind of what I thought. That's kind of what I thought. You know, I can't help that you say these things that just tee me up. The the innuendo was not lost on me when I created this. Like I said, I, I don't know why like movies and video games stuck in my head here for for the, the names of these segments. I don't know. But you know, the way I phrased it, yeah, the innuendo was not lost on me. I was I thought we were a little more mature on this show. I didn't think you were gonna make that joke. Oh, we made a Kelvin Benjamin joke pre-show for everybody that obviously was not there. <laughs> like, yes. don't want don't want to be underneath Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> um, well, speaking of the Giants, my guy here that I'm looking to you know get out from underneath here is uh, Daniel Jones. 
And you brought, you brought up a good point. Like, can you actually get out from underneath him? You know, and I think every league probably has somebody who's still at least interested in him, at least judging from the amount of people that I see on Twitter trying to, you know, hype him up as somebody who could be relevant here. You know, they throw around stats, you know, he's only played 11 games with Saquon Barkley. And yeah, that's a very good point, but it's not like, I mean, Saquon Barkley's a running back. You know, I don't, it's not like he's played 11 games in his career with Julio Jones, you know, his number one receiver or, you know, somebody like that. I mean, and he hasn't had great receivers, but I don't think they're bad. I don't think Sterling Shepard's a bad wide receiver. I don't think that Darius Slayton is a bad wide receiver. You know, I don't think that Evan Ingram's a bad tight end. I don't think he's a bad receiving option. Now, some of those guys have been banged up off and on, but still, you know, the, my biggest problem with Daniel Jones is one, I don't think he's starting next year. So if I can get anybody to take him from me, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm moving him. But, you know, I don't think he's starting next year. You know, he's very turnover prone. I don't know. Like I said, you, you you throw the stat out there about Barkley. Sure. But, you know, how does that affect his turnovers? I mean, he fumbled the ball. He lost six fumbles last year. He fumbled the ball 11 times. He also threw 10 picks, you know, and only 11 touchdowns last year. So, you know, he, he has turnover issues. And the year before that, he had eight fumbles, you know, he had well 15 fumbles total eight lost so that has nothing to do with saquon barkley you know and he threw six picks last year as well so he's way too turnover prone i just don't think he was very good in the first place you know if you want to talk yourself into him sure you know he had some big games um you know last year he didn't have any games over 300 yards passing so you know that was kind of subpar there but you know his rookie year he had um four games over 300 yard passing so if you you, you can pull those stats up if you want but and he brings a little bit of an element with his legs but that only gets you so far when you're not producing that much passing volume when you're turning the ball over like that and you know this isn't the regime that this isn't the coaching regime that drafted him and I think if the Giants are bad again this year, I think you could see Gettleman get the boot. I love that we use the same words to refer to a coaching staff as we do to like a dictatorship in the Middle East regime. <laughs> it just always strikes me when people use that word, a coaching regime or like, you know, the whatever regime. It just cracks me up. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. I mean, I was done with my point. If you want to. That's all I've got. I think Daniel Jones is terrible. I think he has. I think he has one year of starting NFL. Like he better really, really enjoy this year. You know, bring like a get it by a bunch of disposable cameras before the season <laughs> begins and like carry them around everywhere when he's like going around the facility and like in practice and stuff. He looks like the type of guy who would wear a Hawaiian shirt and have a disposable camera. He's so. like, smile, guys. He's clicking. Everyone's like, oh, like they don't want to get a picture taken. Thanks, he's, Daniel. He's crap, and they don't want to. They don't want people to remember that they had to play football with him. Yeah, he, um, and he goes. He goes by Daniel too. He's not even Dan. He he's terrible, man. He was terrible in college. I think we've talked about this in the show before. It was just a pick that, like, at the time, everybody was like, "That's so obviously stupid." <laughs> and the fact that people still want to defend him as a player, I mean, I get that you have to give him a couple years to like actually prove it, but like, damn, man. Like, if this if this dude hasn't proven in the first couple years that he can't do it, then like, any anything is possible, kids. Anything is possible. It's a very inspirational moment. All right. Well. 
I'm I'm interested to hear your your next guy here because this is a guy I think we're going to disagree on. Yeah, this is another controversial guy here. Uh, Michael Thomas, I think, is a guy that you get out on. I think we've seen his best year, and I don't even feel bad saying we've probably seen his best years, uh, plural. There are just a couple reasons, and none of them are necessarily you know quantitative, but. A, there's a lot of uncertainty there at the QB position. And he did do well with Taysom in, in the limited snaps that he got when Taysom was the starter last year. But A, I'm not sure how long Taysom's going to be there and if he's even the starting quarterback. And B, whether like Taysom can keep that up, to be completely honest. Um so I think that just the uncertainty at the QB position, you know, even if, if Jameis gets the job, uh, I forget who posted that really good stat this week where the Jameis is wor- the ball that he throws the worst is the slant, which is like Michael Thomas's bread and butter. And then just beyond that, you know, I think people, people see him, see last year as a blip for him. You know, I think a lot of people do. I think this is going to be what yeah, the, the crux of whatever you say to me after I'm done here. So I think his price words in my mouth. He's not, you know, I think last offseason a lot of people saw him as the wide receiver one in drafts, or if not wide receiver one, top three for sure. I doubt he was really leaving the top three in drafts. Maybe like if you did a home league with a bunch of Falcons fans, maybe he wasn't going in the top three, but like in a normal league, he probably was going top three. And I think that you can still sell him in some places as like a top five or six guy. And I'm just not sure that that's his range anymore. Plus, and just to be honest, like he's enough of a diva where I think he's going to start pissing people off. If things start going south in New Orleans, like I think things are going to go south for him really, really fast. So I, that, and that's just like a totally like I pulled that out of my butt like (laughs) argument, but like, as, as a Steelers fan who sat through the whole AB thing and you sit out there and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's harmless. He's not doing anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. He says this one thing. He says that thing. Then all of a sudden he's like growing a gold mustache and <laughs> like assaulting people. And it becomes a lot less funny. Not saying that Michael Thomas is going to quite go that far, but like it doesn't take that much to start pissing people off. And if you start pissing the wrong people off, it's not great for your your future prospects. No, I mean that's the whole diva thing is is a point. I don't think he's too far from the the gold mustache, but um, I still think that yes, this that's an interesting stat about Jameis's worst pass being the slant because obviously everybody knows it's Michael Thomas's best route. I don't think that's his only route though. So the, the slant boy thing is like the funniest thing ever to me <laughs> because of how Ben out of shape. If he is just like, oh, good one, like. Literally yeah. nobody would say it, but he got so down out of shape about it that now it's just like a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's still a good, he's still a very good receiver. I still think he's extremely talented. Um, you know, and then I think that the having Jameis Winston there is is going to help. Um, like I said, I didn't know that the, the, the stat about that being his worst stat. So that's definitely interesting to me. Um, I may have to reassess. I have a wide receiver seven. I have Diggs just behind him at eight. I may flip those two. Um, just looking at it now, I don't think I'd I don't much, think I'll yeah. have DK. I don't think I'll have DK jump him. I'd much but, rather have Diggs, and I have like a severe mistrust of Josh Allen, but I still <laughs> think I'd rather have Diggs than than Michael Thomas. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm not ready to write Michael Thomas off yet. Um, but if you can get 
you know, top three wide receiver value for him, then yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be okay moving him, but I'm not, he's not somebody that I would be actively looking to move. I think you can even like, even if it's like top five or top seven or whatever, like, I think you just take that price and you run. Cause I think if he has another down year, you know, like, I think that like all of a sudden now you're talking like now you said, I don't think I'd move DK above him. I think like, even if everybody else, like everyone would have moved DK ahead of him by then as, as they probably would with, if Jamar Chase does anything this, this season, yeah. he moves ahead. Like they're just a list of guys literally just right breathing down his neck that if he has another so so year they all because it's so much like what have you done for me lately and, and they just all you know dj Moore if he has a good year this year and, and he he passes them even if like even if dj Moore has a worse year than michael thomas if michael thomas's year does not hit michael thomas's expectations you're gonna see dj Moore pass him on list because he's younger and that's like what everybody eats up like stuff like that i think it's just gonna happen and i think it's it feels almost inevitable at this point I don't know why it feels that way, but it just really, really does. I mean, I, I, the thing I'll say about that, about having people jump him if he has like another perceived down year is that cluster for me is really tight. Like I have, you know, Calvin Ridley at 12, Amari Cooper at 13, you know, Allen Robinson at 14, you know, I have Jamar Chase down there as well. Like, if, yes, if those guys do have bigger years, like, you could absolutely, I could absolutely see him falling down to the, you know, wide receiver 18, 19 range, just because of how cl- closely clustered those guys are. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a big indictment on him. I think it's just, you know, the nature of that just being all personal preference, basically, from anywhere from wide receiver six, seven, all the way down to like wide receiver 20 ish. You know, yeah, I think I mean, it's a lot yeah. of that's personal preference. And like I said, a lot of this fantasy stuff comes down to perception. So if he if we're expecting him to have another wide receiver top five finish and he doesn't do it again for the second year in a row, even if he's finishing better than a couple of these other guys, people are going to say, well, they have more upside. They're younger. Their better days are still ahead of them, and his 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 are all behind him. Like I think these are all things that you'll hear people legitimately say in an offseason about player X or Y or Z. And I just think that his time is coming sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um. So we'll move on to the next guy here um, that I'll talk about. And the guy I'm looking to get out from underneath here is Zach Moss. And that's another guy that it's like, I mean, can you really get out from underneath him? But I still see people hyping him up on Twitter and I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, I mean, at this point, you know, he's, he didn't really do anything last year. You know, his snap share, it was pretty much a dead even time share. It was a 45% snap share. Um, you know, he and everybody was said, oh, you know, he'll be the, you know, he'll be the between the tackles grinder. He'll be the red zone guy that, you know, he, he was 24th in red zone touches. So, you know, yeah, it was more than Singletary, but it's not like he's blowing everybody away there. You know, he didn't really bring a ton in the passing game. Yeah. But that was more to be expected. You know, his breakaway run rate was really low as well as so 38. So, I mean, he is what we thought he is between the tackles grinder. He's kind of a plotter. And he didn't even really get that much red zone usage. You know, he had five touchdowns last year. So, you know, I I was pretty out on him to begin with, but, you know, I'm definitely out on him now. I think that, you know, I, I'm not really interested in any of those running backs there, but if I'm going to take anybody, it's going to be Matt Breida just because his value is so much lower. You could basically get him for free. And I don't think Matt Breida is a worse running back than Zach Moss. 
So Zach Moss, like he had really good vision in college. Like that's the one thing you could point to, but he never had the athletic ability to make it work. And I thought it was painfully obvious when you watched him, like he was borderline, not a good enough athlete for college. And then like, you're going to up everything by like, you know, 10% or 20% or just, you know, objectively, whatever the jump is. And like, he was just clearly never going to make that jump. He totally is one of those guys that's, that needs the volume. And it's a chicken and egg thing because he isn't good enough to get the volume. But he's only good if he gets the volume. But he can't, you know, like it, you can just go back and forth between those two things. And so I, 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 I think Zach Moss is one of those guys that I literally don't have on a single roster. And I probably will never have him on any roster ever. It, I can't. I'm struggling to think of a scenario where I like would accidentally end up with him or something. Because even if someone was like, I'd throw him in in a trade, I'd be like, that's a waste of a roster spot. You can keep him. I'd rather have the roster spot. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't have him anywhere, and I won't. I won't. Um, so I, I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on Zach Moss. I think we both agree he's pretty bad. So we can move into your next guy here. Yeah, this is my hashtag. Yeah, is on brand. Yeah, yeah hash, hashtag on brand. Um, Jalen Hurts. Don't come crying to me and saying you haven't heard it anywhere if he's if he's done by next year. Because I'm telling you, his upside this season is tremendous for fantasy purposes because of how dangerous he is with his legs. But he is one of the worst. He is probably in terms of starting guys that we expect to start day one, the NFL this year. He is. And, and I'm not because I'm, I'm including Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers, I'm presuming is the starter, not Jordan Love, because then this this statement would not be true. He is the worst thrower of the ball of the 32 quarterbacks that are going to be starting on day one. And that includes Tyrod Taylor. If he he is the worst thrower of the ball. Really, the only thing he has going for him is, is his legs. He, I mean, last year, if you looked at his bad throw percentage and his accurate, like his, his percentage of accurate throws, literally the only quarterbacks that threw more than like two passes in mop-up time that were worse than him were Ben DiNucci, Jameis Winston, and Kendall Hinton. That's not great company to be in. I don't think even if people say like, you know, um, like Lamar struggled his first year, he didn't struggle that badly. You know, I think it's hard. I, I can't, it, even if you factor in development, I don't think you can develop that much. The other problems with him, you know, he's not very accurate. I think his arm strength, if in terms of like NFL wise is, is on the weak end of the spectrum. And that's really not a good combination to have. You can't be inaccurate and weak armed in, in the NFL. Like you have to choose one or the other. And, and he's, both unfortunately he's not surrounded with a ton of talent that i actually like you know you have corpse of Ertz who they're trying desperately to trade you have um um uh, uh, rieger Baker. that's yeah. the guy who i was not high on last year like i just i'm not a rieger guy i think he's okay but i think i saw that his reception perception last year was like one of the bot one of the worst in the league he just doesn't get open enough very very raw in, in that regard, I, I like Devonta Smith. Do I think Devonta Smith is the kind of guy that thrives with Jalen Hurts? I'm not so sure. I know they played together in college, whatever. But he didn't put up his Heisman season with them either. You know, like they're so. And the other thing that actually, and this is actually a thing that I was thinking about today, and I think is a very interesting thought moving forward. Before, when you had a rushing quarterback, you could at least say, well, maybe their job is safe for a little while longer because they're doing something that nobody else is doing and you tailor an entire offense around them. So if something happens, 
it's more difficult. You have to kind of gut the entire team. It's an archetype that is very replaceable now. There are a lot of other running quarterbacks out there. So not only is this not, it's not an advantage in the sense that nobody else is doing it, but it's also not an advantage if he shits the bed this year, you can go get Malik Willis in the draft this year. Or, you know, insert, uh, you know, there, there, there's a dozen Emory guys Jones. every year. Yes, Emory Jones. There are guys coming out every year now that fit that archetype. So I think that also hurts him because even if they say, you know, he wasn't very good, we don't want to shake up the offense. Yeah, you just you go get Malik Willis or or Emory Jones. I mean, I don't think either. I wouldn't do that, but I, I think Jalen. I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than both those guys. But like, there are arguments to be made where they can just they can just pivot to that and not feel like they wasted years of drafting and development. So I just. I can't get behind anybody anybody hyping Jalen Hurst. Now, maybe he comes out this year and totally proves me wrong, but he's not like like Josh Allen did it, but Josh Allen is also way toolsier. And it took him three years. And I think the leash is going to be shorter for Hurts than it was for Allen. Just my yeah. two cents. No, I I pretty much completely agree with everything you said there. It's, we, we've talked a lot about Hurts before. So, yeah, I, I'm out on Hurts. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I don't think he's very accurate. The Malik Willis and the uh, Emory Jones, you know, th- that was a good point where like they can just kind of pivot now, um, you know, and, and can go get somebody else in the draft that has that same skill set, like you said. So, and they only, you know, they took him in the second round. So it's not like it's a first round draft pick, you know, second round still significant, but they're not as invested in him. So, yeah, I, I could see them moving on after this year. Um, my last guy here is uh, Henry Ruggs. Um, you know, I don't, again, another guy that I'm not really sure how much you can get out from underneath, but there's always one person in your league that you're, that's going to be interested in, in him as well. And he's a guy that I wasn't really on to begin with. I liked him from a NFL standpoint from like a, you know, his, his skill set. never really anybody I was super interested in for fantasy, especially when he went to, Oakland and Oakland just does not use him really the right way. They just basically send him deep and then they don't even really throw him the ball. He was second in the league in average target distance and he was 60th in the league in yards in air yards and 61st in air yards share. So they send him deep and they just don't throw him the ball. 43rd in deep targets, you know. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do, they, they just basically use him to clear it out for Darren Waller, you know, and he's not even on the field all that often last year, 68%, you know, it was 80th in, you know, amongst wide receivers, you know, he had a, a 90, uh, 10.3% target share, um, you know, which is 98th. So, you know, they just, they, they don't, they don't use him correctly, like at all. They just, they send him deep, they clear it out and then they, they throw to other people. And, and that's not even what he, that's not really what he did at Alabama. You know, at, at Alabama, he did a lot more shorter stuff. He did a lot more, you know, in the screen game. You know, he did some slants. You know, they, they used his yak ability there. And Oakland just isn't doing that. And I don't trust them to do that moving forward. So if I can get anything for Henry Ruggs, I don't have him anywhere. But if I did and I could get anything for him, I'm moving him. <sighs> he's one I go back and forth on because he's so cheap. But I think people are mostly going to be locked into how much they spent on him last year. And that always just makes it tough to, to get some of these guys. It, it really, really does. Um, so I, 
I can see an argument depending on your league and your league mates and you know who owns them or whatever that I think he's a buy, and then I can see the other side of it where someone says he's a sell. So I don't have I don't actually I don't have an argument on him either way. I think the jury is still very much out on him. I don't think he's ever worth the one eleven or whatever that they spent you know, the Oakland spent on him last year. But I still think he can be a good NFL receiver. Is good too strong of a word? That like no. going back and forth in my head as to where I, whether good is too strong of a word. Good but, NFL receiver, yes. So I think he I, could still be a good NFL receiver. Yeah. He would just require a completely different offense and a completely different regime to actually uh, be a back to regime, huh? A completely different regime to be a fantasy relevant player. And I just I don't see that happening anytime in the near future because he was a first round pick, you know. Maybe they don't pick up his fifth-year option, but he still has three more years in that offense. Yeah, I mean, I I think he can. I don't even want, I don't even want to say that, like what his limited because I think if he went to a team that would use him correctly, his ceiling is very very high again. Yeah. So, I I I actually really struggle to say what I think his value is. I really do. Yeah, at this point, I'm just I would want to get out from underneath, and then you know maybe bef- the year before. You know the off season before he's going to be a free agent. Um, you know I'll, I'll acquire him mid year if I'm, you know, rebuilding or something like that, just to take a dart throw on him. But that's really about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's about all we have here tonight. Um, I don't really have any housekeeping things. We did just update the rankings, so if you haven't checked those out, definitely go check out that. We had some movers, um, some shakers here this year. It's mostly on the college side. Um, Cause that's where a little bit more of the news has come out lately. Uh, but there are some movers on the NFL side as well. Um, and you know, with these are rankings that we're going to keep updating every month as well. So, you know, we're going to look for those at the beginning of the month. ADP uh, came out today as well. Oh. Um, I think this is in my opinion, our best month of drafts that we've had so far. I think they were mostly accurate. Like oh, in the, in the past we've had drafts where like there might be one a month where I'm like, do I use this? Like these values are all so bad. Like, I don't know what any of these people were doing, but this month I think they were all like pretty good. And uh, we have, it's five drafts. So, you know, a decent chunk in there. And we're now that we have a couple months, we can wait them. So like, I think, I think we're just getting more accurate and more accurate with the ADP. And I will have an article out by Monday on Monday. I think I'll probably drop just with a bunch of the trends that we're seeing within our ADP. And it's going to be a long piece, but I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I know that. Should be. Um, yeah. The, so that's really all that we have, I think, for housekeeping here. Um, you know, keep an eye out for some of our other family of pods that are now under our umbrella as well. Um, you know, Debbie Debate, that was came out uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday. Uh, I think he's going to get back to a little bit more of a uh, regular release schedule, I believe. Uh, but keep an eye out for those. And then, you know, you'll always see our early week show coming Sunday, Mondays and Sunday or Monday um, in campus life. And our Canton Bound will always be, you know, coming out Thursday, Friday towards the end of the week there. Um, so always keep a look out for those as well. Um, but that is all that I have here tonight. Um, so as always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And have a good one.